It's Monday the 27th of September 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is Professor of Political Sciences Olavur Thot Hardason. Welcome to you. Thank you very much. Um, unsurprisingly, one story has dominated this week, and that is the election. The big winners and losers, the potential outcomes for the next government, and a strong message that vibrated around the world for nine hours. Uh, there's plenty to talk about there. Um, the world didn't stand still while the country's voters were making up their minds, however. And in other news, the cost of renting a home in the capital region has topped its pre-pandemic levels again, and it's more expensive now than ever, when not adjusted for inflation. KSE, the Icelandic Football Association, received a sexual abuse complaint from 11 years ago in early June this year. It has now been revealed, which is more than two months before the scandal arose and that television interview in which the chairman said no such complaints had ever been received. On the subject of sexual abuse, the captain of one of the Coast Guard's patrol vessels has been sent on leave while complaints of harassment against female crew members are investigated. And in related news, the Coast Guard's new ship is expected next month. The much-loved church on Grimsey Island burnt to the ground last week in just 20 minutes. The community there is devastated but determined to rebuild. And finally, Wally the Wandering Walrus has been spotted twice in southeast Iceland after a summer far away from his Arctic home in Spain, France, Ireland and the UK. Where would you like to begin? I'd like to begin actually with the thing you did not mention, that we had the final uh, games, games in the men's football league, so we had a new Icelandic champion. Uh, we can. I am interested. My, my main interests are on the one hand politics, and on the other hand sports. And we can discuss this later, perhaps. But I have, of course, mainly been occupied with uh, the elections and 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 things around the the election campaign and so such things. So we're going to talk about politics. Um, but you've mentioned football now. So what happened? In, in the football. Yeah. Uh, actually, Vikingur became the Icelandic champions for yes, the first, first, yes, first time in 30 years. <gasps> My, I, am, I am a supporter of F8s, or FH, as we say in Icelandic. And FH had a disastrous result this, this time, ended up in the, in the sixth seat. But in the last uh, 15 years, we have almost always been number one or number two. Uh, a small re- reconciliation for a team degraded by being in, in, in sixth place are two things. Firstly, we, FH, decided what team became champions because we won Breidablik and that made it possible for Víkingur to win. If Breidablik had drawn against FH, Breiðablik would have been the champions. Secondly, and that was especially for my friend Boy Augustsson, uh, we made a draw, FH made a draw against Kawa or KA. Uh, that meant that Boy's team, KR, KR, uh, became, obtained third place, which, which gives them a possibility to play in Europe next year. So, for a team in the sixth seat, this is not bad at all if you play a little bit Pollyanna here. 
really interesting comparison just popped into my head there with politics. Um, the small players make a big difference. Little numbers change here and there makes a big difference. There's a lot of politics, a lot of similarities. Um, we should probably talk about politics. And why not? There's been so, actually, so actually, much going on. Actually, on this note, I, I, one of my students, actually, Loye Bergman, a, a well-known uh, uh, journalist and TV reporter, he wrote a BA thesis uh, that I supervised, where he was comparing if uh, changing party leaders changed the fortunes of uh, political parties in the polls, and he was comparing this to if when uh, football teams change their manager and was asking in both cases if, if, if there was improvement in results uh, and the result was that you had some, some improvement but that was uh, temporary and we also have, we actually have research on, on changing managers in other countries also. Mm. So there's a lot of things in common between football and politics. From yesterday morning until yesterday afternoon, we had a female majority parliament for the first time. Then the Northwest constituency decided it was mm -hmm. going to recount all the votes. Mm -hmm. um, did so unilaterally, not because of any complaint. And that threw up a difference of, what was it, five votes? or Five, five actually, five MPs or five seats switched members. Well, this is the point. Yeah. So a very so, small miscalculation in one constituency led to this huge change of these yeah. equalization seats, these Jöpnuna Saiti. That is because of the additional seats, the Jöpnuna Saiti. And uh, <clears throat> what happens is that it, this does not change the number of seats each party is getting, but it changes <clears throat> what individuals from uh, each party obtain the additional seats that the party uh, gets. And uh, that is a bit more complicated to sort of decide what individuals get elected. And during election night, sort of those in the additional seats are, seats are constantly sort of uh, entering and leaving the new Althingi. But this has never happened before in my lifetime that actually after the final count, five individuals have to face the fact that they had been elected at nine o'clock, but not elected at, ele at, at two o'clock or something like that. For years, I've had this sort of impression that there are these nine equalization seats in Parliament. Mm. Their, paper, their, their, their purpose on paper is to make the makeup of Althingi look more like the public vote across the country mm -hmm. and I knew it was a complicated system and that was kind of where my knowledge ended. Mm -hmm. Now, since yesterday, it's become enormously important that we all understand that very complicated system. So how and why, in as briefly as you can, are the people changing? And if it doesn't make a difference to which parties are getting these seats, why are the people in those seats changing? That depends on because... That Actually, it is like this. First, you calculate, <clears throat> based on the results, which parties are going to obtain those nine seats. You divide them between parties. After that, for, say, for instance, that one party has three additional seats, then you have to decide which of the candidates not yet elected for that party should obtain 
those are those three additional seats. And at this stage, we're talking on the national level, are we? Oh, we are talking on the national level. This is all done on the national level. But when you are deciding between those three hypothetical candidates, you look at their results <clears throat> in the in the in their constituencies. And the first rule is that the candidate achieve, achieving the highest percentage in his or her constituency, he gets the seat. But it doesn't end there because the number of seats in each constituency, the number of additional seats in each constituency, one in, the, in three districts, two additional seats in, in the Reykjavik constituencies and in the Southwest constituency, uh, uh, th- this number of additional seats in its constituency is fixed. So it can happen that, uh, that when it comes to, say, the third additional seat for a party, uh, uh, and, and the candidate with the highest number is, say, in Reykjavik South, it can happen that at that stage in the process... Uh, the additional two additional seats in in uh, in Reykjavik have already been allotted to another party, so then the 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 number the the member the the candidate uh, in question cannot obtain a seat in Reykjavik, uh, even though he has the highest percentage, uh, uh, higher percentage than other candidates of the same party, and then you have to go to the second one and see if you know there is, an, is there is still an empty seat in in that constituency. Very simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe listeners can't see my eyes glazing over. <laughs> simple, it is not. Important, it is. Um, it's very important, and as you say in Britain, that the devil is in the detail, and uh, this is very important. Another thing that people often often forget is that uh, things like the electoral threshold, uh, which might seem as a detail, uh, can be extremely important. Uh, we, in many countries, we have this threshold for uh, additional seats. In Iceland, for instance, you have to obtain five percent in order to get additional seats. If you if you if you get five percent, you will get three members. If you get four point nine percent, you will get nil members. In Germany, we <coughs> we also have five percent, <coughs> and uh, in the in the uh, election there at the, on Sunday, uh, the, the 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 left party, the Die Linke, they were just around five percent. I I don't know the final re- result if they achieve five or if they were under five, but that makes makes a huge difference. In Norway and Sweden, the threshold is four percent. In Denmark, it is 2%. And you could ask, what is the difference between 2%, 4%, and 5%? It doesn't seem much, but it makes a huge difference. We can take an example. In the, in the election on Saturday, the new Socialist Party obtained 4.1%. That meant that in the Icelandic system, they did not get any representation in Althingi. In Norway, in Sweden... And in Denmark, they would have obtained seats. So small numbers, big differences.
And what's the difference on that point? Like, if they were to get normal constituency seats, do they still have to be above 5%? Or no, no. That, a lot of people, it is common misunderstanding that, that you know, in order to get any seat in Iceland, you need to uh, obtain 5%. That is not the case for thresholds, neither in Iceland nor the other countries that I mentioned. So, for instance, if a party gets one member elected in a constituency, but does not reach 5% uh, overall, it keeps the 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 one seat it it obtained in the constituency but it does not get the two additional uh, members it would have got, uh, gotten if 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 the party had reached five percent instead of say four point nine okay okay i think i get it um on this subject yesterday this was is of a bit course of a... complicated for 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 a person <laughs> used to the American or the British system where you have the first past the post, a very different system, and mm. I, 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 I don't hesitate to say a very unfair system. Uh, almost all countries in Europe use their proportional representation, a system systems similar to the Icelandic one. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, but yes, it, from a outside perspective, it can seem a little mystifying how how things change so much over just five or seven votes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this week's going to be interesting because yesterday's earthquake that happened, figuratively speaking, in the northwest is possibly going to be repeated in the south. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Well, actually, uh, they are four parties have now asked for a recount in the south. And I think the most wise thing to do is to do the recount in the South, just to make absolutely sure that there were no mistakes, and also in order to increase trust, public trust, on the system. Uh, I would be very surprised if the recount in the South would change anything. Mm-hmm. I feel freely... Feel, feel feel fairly confident that the, it will not change, but of course one cannot be absolutely certain. It is possible that it w- could it would change, but uh, at this point I would say it is it is fairly unlikely. Mm-hmm. And the northwest um, that recount is controversial still, not least because there's some complaints about perhaps the votes and the ballot boxes weren't treated as they should be. How? What impact could that have if that ends up being complained and investigated? Well, actually, uh, it seems to be clear what happened. Uh, there was a breach of the procedure uh, that is uh, described in the electoral law. The question is, uh, what consequences could it have? And basically, the consequence uh, could be that the election was uh, declared... Uh, uh, unlawful and it should be repeated. Has that uh, ever happened in Iceland? Uh, no, never happened in in, in a, a, a parliamentary election in at least recent decades. Uh, it might have happened sort of around 1900 uh, once. Uh, uh, but we have to keep in mind that the <coughs> body that decides if the election was uh, is valid or not, is uh, Althingi itself. 
and it is extremely unlikely that Althingi will declare the election results in, in the Northwest uh, 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 invalid. Uh, uh, so uh, I think it is most likely that, that the results will stand as they are now. I would say it is almost completely certain. And as you say, the equalization seats, the parties they're going to have been decided. It's mm-hmm. just perhaps there'll be some movement among the people. So we do know the makeup of parliament and therefore we can start talking about the next government. Absolutely. It seems highly likely the same three parties will stay in power. Mm-hmm. Um, but how likely? It is the most likely... <clears throat> uh, their, their their cooperation in the last government uh, was quite smooth and it is quite clear that there is uh, a lot of trust between the leaders of the left greens the independence party and the progressive party on the other hand the major problem with um, with the composition of the current government is that it is ideologically very diverse we have the party furthest to the right the independence party and the party furthest to the left in Parliament, at least, uh, the left Greens, uh, working together in a coalition. And if you look at the left-right spectrum or on uh, on the ideological spectrum generally, those parties, those two parties, dis- disagree on many basic political questions. And of course, it is extremely unusual in Iceland and also in Europe, that parties uh, from different ends of the spectrum can uh, work together in a government. There are exceptions, but they are very, very few. So, uh, from the ideological point of view, uh, this, this type of coalition should not happen, or at least it should not happen very often. And it should, on that grounds, not be the first ever three-party coalition to survive four years. No, uh, that, a lot of people sort of thought that uh, this would not, this coalition would not survive for 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 whole three, three four years, but it did. Mm. And uh, actually, the what happened during the term also that might possibly impact this. I'm not saying that it uh, that it sort of made made the difference. But what happened, of course, was, was that we had the COVID uh, pandemic. And what impact did that have on the co- cooperation? Well, actually, what COVID did was that uh, all their issues were more or less put off the agenda, which meant that uh, issues that might have sort of made problems mm-hmm. between the Independence Party and the Left Greens, they did not... Uh, at least not all of them, did really appear on the agenda. But they uh, did work together. Because, for... because, you know, fighting the pandemic mm. was a goal, a priority, that, that in which there were absolutely no differences between the right-wing party and the left-wing party. But they did make through more than half a term without a pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely. That is, that is correct. Yeah. 
that is correct. But I can, a lot, as I said, a lot of people thought they would not survive for the four years. I, on the other hand, of course, thought they would survive for four years. I know a little bit about coalitions and, and how parties in Iceland operate. Now, what do you make of you, one of your colleagues in political sciences, Erika Bergman, said yeah, yeah. yesterday that he thinks... Um, the Independence Party and the Progressive Party have more lying on Katrin Jakobsdottir's remaining Prime Minister mm-hmm. than the other way around, mm-hmm. even though her party lost seats. Yeah. Where do you stand on that opinion? I agree with Eric on this. Yeah. Uh, that is because Katrin is by far the most popular politician in Iceland. Before the election, the polls were showing that around 40% of the voters wanted uh, her to continue as Prime Minister, while uh, 10-15% uh, thought that uh, Bjarni Benediktsson should be Prime Minister, and uh, less than 10 that Sigurd Ingi should be Prime Minister. Uh, it is interesting to compare those figures to the following of, of, of their respective parties. 40% of the voters want Katrin to continue, but only 12-13% uh, vote for her party. So a lot of her, a lot of people, <coughs> actually a two thirds, three, what almost, almost uh, uh, one fourth, almost the twenty twenty five percent, only twenty twenty five percent of those who want her to continue as prime minister, mm. uh, agree with her party to such an uh, such an extent that they want to vote for that party. Uh, the Independence Party was obtaining what twenty three, twenty four percent, something like that. Uh, almost half of those voters want Katrin to to continue as prime minister, and in Sigurdur case, then then the Progressive Party got seventeen, around seventeen percent, but less than ten percent uh, want Sigurdur to become prime minister. More than half probably want Katrin to continue. So this this gives Katrin a strong position. The other thing is simply... Sorry, just to interrupt. She, it does put her in a strong position, yes, but it doesn't necessarily give her the power to say this herself. They, that would have to come from the other, the two bigger parties, presumably, to stand well, up and of say... Co- of course, the other two parties can say, we are not accepting you as prime minister because now you are the smallest... Nor you, now you are coming from the smallest party. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, we have at least two examples in Icelandic political history uh, for three-party governments in which the smallest party actually got the prime ministership. And I could explain that to you in details, but I am not going to do it, do it here. So, and then we have to look at the coalition game. It is often useful to look at coalition formation as a game where the players are sort of considering their options and uh, ending up with the result that is most favorable to them. Let's say that uh, Bjarni and Sigurður say, no, Katrin, you cannot be the prime minister. Katrin might say, well, my party, not not myself, but my party, of course, is not willing to accept that the left Greens join a coalition with you two guys unless the left Greens get the prime ministership. So, if this is your terms, if those are your terms, I will not be part of the coalition. What can the 
Progressive Party and the Independence Party doing in that situation. They have other options for a three-party government. They could uh, form a three-party coalition with the Reform Party, also with the People's Party, and also with the Center Party. So the risk Katrin would be taking by saying I am not uh, going to take part is that uh, the two other parties might pick uh, either the People's Party or the or the Reform Party. I think it is unlikely that they would pick the Center Party. Uh, but this is a this is a possible scenario. But from Katrin's point of view, if she decides not to take part in this in the current government, continue in the current government, what are the other options? That would be to form a center-left coalition. And all such coalitions would at least have to include four parties. And they would also have to include the Progressive Party. But the Progressive Party, of course, is not a right-wing party. It is a center party or perhaps a center-right party. Mm-hmm. So, and in, in, in the past, the progressives have quite often cooperated with the left-wing party parties in coalitions. So, policy-wise, it would not be difficult for the progressive party to join a center-left coalition, but it would have to be four parties, and uh, some people think, uh, especially as we are used to two-party coalitions or three-party coalitions, some people think that a four-party coalition is is more difficult to to sort of manage, and that sort of uh, there is some truth in that, but it can easily the difficulties can easily be exaggerated. Uh, we have only had one four-party government in the history of Iceland. And that was from 1989 to 1991, when four parties uh, joined a four-party coalition for two years, because in 1987, a three-party coalition had been formed. That broke down in the, in, in, in the autumn uh, because the majority was was uh, extremely small, they decided to to add a fourth party into that coalition, and even though that four-party coalition only survived for for two years, uh, because it was formed so late in the term or in the middle of the term, that four-party coalition was uh, uh, a success in the sense that there were no major disagreements between those four parties and the coalition uh, uh, finished its term uh, and, and, and was in power until the 1991 election. The Independence Party this time round, they're the biggest party, again, as mm-hmm. expected, but it was not a massive poll jump. You could argue, in fact, people have done, that the big winners this time were the Progressive Party and also the People's Party. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there were, there, there were three winners, in, four winners, actually, in this election. Four parties that actually gained votes. The, obviously, the major victory was won by the pro, pro, Progressive Party. They added 2%... Sorry, 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 sorry. 
especially my Progressive Party friends. Sorry for this. <laughs> <coughs> the great victory of the Progressive Party was addition of around 7%, which is quite a bit in Icelandic uh, politics. Two other parties uh, added around uh, 2%, uh, or just below 2% uh, from the last election. Those were the People's Party that you mentioned, but people sometimes forget that the Reform Party also gained uh, almost 2%. And then, of course, uh, it is the new Socialist Party that in its first attempt obtained 4.1% of the vote. So you could say that, that uh, they gained uh, 4%. Those four parties were, were uh, sort of adding to their votes, if you like, uh, while all, all other parties lost. The Independence Party, for instance, basically the Independence Party uh, got a similar amount of vote as they had done since since the crash. Uh, after the crash, the Independence Party has been obtaining 25% plus minus a few percentage points. But before the crash, the Independence Party was uh, a 40% party, uh, obtaining 35-40% uh, of the votes. Uh, the Independence Party was by far the biggest party in Iceland, actually comparable to the Social Democratic parties in Scandinavia, in Norway, Denmark and Sweden, because those Social Democratic parties had also been sort of the, the biggest parties in, in the Scandinavian systems, also with around 40% like the Independence Party here. Mm. But in recent elections in Scandinavia, the Social Democrats have uh, suffered the same fate as the Independence Party in Iceland, now they are obtaining, in, in recent elections, around 25%, the Social Democrats in Norway, Denmark and Sweden. So we have seen this generally in Europe, and we also see it in the, in the, in the Sunday election in Germany, that uh, in many countries the big parties are losing votes. They are not as big as they used to be. Uh, and actually, this result, if I remember correctly, the result that even though the Independence Party lost almost nothing, uh, for the record, this result of the Independence Party was the second worst in the history of the party. Makes no difference, really, but sort of. Interesting, if you like. Definitely. Um... <laughs> We have already run out of time. It's crazy. Um, just briefly before we go, I guess we can assume the Progressive Party is going to be in the next government. Yes. What else can we assume? Uh, it can be assumed that uh, this that it is most likely that this government will continue, but there are other possibilities. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Um, the Week in Iceland is taking a short break and we'll be back with you again on Monday, the 11th of October on roof.as forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Olaver Hardason, and also Lydia Gretestotir for running the studio. We finished today's show with a song um, from this summer called Engin Mistuk, no mistake, uh, which for some wonderful, reason came to my mind this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's by Dr. Gunny and Erika Hoekson. Bye for now.